Hello and welcome to episode 1128 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, January 20th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you doing? Pretty well. How about yourself? Uh, still waking up a little bit. It's a little early uh, over there. It's it six, is. 6.06 on mm-hmm. the West Coast, but uh, I'm heading out your way. Yeah. We're going to be linking up this weekend, baby. Let's go. Jen and I taking a visit out, see her parents, going to meet up with you. And I got to actually reach out to Eno because uh, apparently, based on what we're doing, we should be in his neck of the woods as well. So can maybe do a double dip of the uh, the sleeper in the bust. And, um, you know, hopefully he doesn't try to get back on the show because that door's closed. Okay, buddy? Don't be Awkward. trying to. Don't hit right. So I'll be like, I'm, I'm not here to do a show, you know. I'm just here to see you. <laughs> so on Monday, we talked about the hot trash corner. I'm very, mm-hmm. I'm very proud of that. I, I, I feel like that's very clever because um, I keep calling it that because that's how it feels after like the top six, seven, eight. I'm mean, depending on how you feel. I'm a big Bregman guy, so I, I include him. If you're in on Gunner, we got a little pushback on the Gunner stuff. Uh, he's got some. He's got some believers out there, and I get it. Uh, let me be clear again, just to reiterate, the Vaughn Grissom thing was not a one-to-one comp that they are the same, but rather that he he too, Gunnar Henderson, is uh, uh, similarly overdrafted relative mm-hmm. to his level. So just want to be clear there for the Gunner folks, not a one-to-one. I don't even dislike Gunner. I'm just not quite sure where the fantasy juice comes from for a top 100 pick. I know he's going to be a top prospect. Um, maybe number one on some lists as well. I grant that. I'm not. I'm not saying he's bad, but I just. I'm looking at these projections too. You know, bats out, uh, bad X, ATC, steamer. I don't see it. I still. I still don't yeah. see it. So if you want to buy in on Gunner, that's fine, but you got to pay a premium. And I think the premium was where Justin and I were kind of balking. But today, shortstop, much deeper position, much more friendly. You got guys like Carlos Correa going 16th at the position. He's a flat-out stud. Yeah, he doesn't steal, but, I mean, everything else is there. I mean, that that right there, I think that's a great microcosm to tell you how deep the position is. You just say, oh, Carlos Correa is the 16th guy off the board. That's just, okay, that's a deep-ass position. So let's get into it right away and talk at the top. Trey Turner is the number one guy. He's arguably the number one guy for a lot of people uh, overall. We've talked about how we were taking J Ram, uh, A Rod's up or A Rod, Aaron Judge is up there. Um, J Rod could be an Acuna. Like there's there's a lot of choices for one. Turner's up there. Do you have any trade Turner avoidance for year one of a big deal? We talk about this concept a lot. It's in the smart fantasy system that Glenn Colton and Rick Wolf do. I tend to agree with it, and I will use it as like a tiebreaker. And it's part of why I'm not taking trade Turner number one. It's not that I think he's going to be bad. I gave him a good projection. But transition years can be tough in the first year of a big deal. Do you share that uh, that potential concern on Trey Turner in Philly? I do not. Um, it's a really good part to hit in. He's going to be on top of another really good lineup. Um, I even think that he could steal more bases than he did in Los Angeles as Philadelphia is a more aggressive team. Uh, yeah, I, I really have no concerns. We've already seen him go from one team to another team and not miss a beat. However, um, it's it's not oh it's not so much just changing teams because he's coming back to the NL East. He's got comfort there, all that. That's not what I'm worried about. It's about being a 300 million dollar man and how that will impact the player. 
And we just don't know, right? It's not that every first-year player in a big deal sucks. Nobody's saying that. It's the potential that there's like a bit of a transition there. You know, one of the most recent ones was Francisco Lindor. Look at his first year with New York. Um, he, he fell down, popped right back last year. Uh, went from 2010 to 26-16, 40 points of batting average came back, 25 extra runs. I mean, there's extra playing time too because he got hurt. But, you know, again, it's not like I think he's going to suck. My projection for him is still good. He's still my number one, he being Trey Turner. But I do just – I kind of like – I like to allow the year. So we talked about how we take J-Ram one. Then where are you taking Turner? Is he your number two overall? Yeah, I think so. Um, I haven't finished my uh, outfield projections, but I can see the argument for taking Judge or Acuna or um, even Julio Rodriguez over him. Yep. Um, But I think for the most part, uh, it seems unlikely that any of those guys are going to pass him uh, in my projections. I'm pretty sure I've done all their projections and, and, uh, Turner is Trey or Trey Turner is, um, is my second guy off my board. So yeah, I have no real concerns. I think he's legitimately a stud. Uh, I have no argument. Now that being said, seems super unlikely. I end up with him in any drafts one. I'm really trying not to draft towards the top. Yeah. You're taking really, the middle. That's yeah. Your top uh, target. Yeah. Because I just think that the difference between like all of those guys I just mentioned is so small. And then you can throw a Tawny into that mix as well, that I'd rather have the higher pick in the second round. And so uh, I think outside of maybe auction leagues where, you know, you have an equal shot at every single player, uh, it seems unlikely I'm going to end up with a lot of trade Turner this year. Yeah. I, I could totally see that. Um, I haven't quite figured out exactly where I want to be in the draft. I, I've, I've tried to been mixing around throughout my drafts to see, where I can find my best fit. So I'll, I'll decide on that closer to the, uh, the uh, redraft league season mm-hmm. when we're, when we're doing mains and whatnot. Uh, we discussed Bobby Wynn, of course, on third base, go ahead and check that out. If you want to hear more about him, I'm concerned about Bo Bichette's speed drop off. It was precipitous. He got caught a bunch. There was a great article. I, I referenced it a, a couple episodes ago, maybe last episode. I don't remember. Um, Leo Morgenstern. I think I'm saying that name, right? Leo Morgan started. Yes, I got it right. But he did an article called Why Bobachette's Wheels Fell Off. And I'll give you the long and short of it is that uh, a mix of things. So I think it is worth reading to understand the, the, the pieces that go into something like that. I know we love to look for that single smoking gun so that we can say if that changes, the, the thing that fell off will come back. It's often not like that. You know, when a guy's power drops off, it can be a nagging injury, plus his batted ball distribution, plus the wind was blowing in on a few days when he really crushed the ball. You know, it could be all these little things. That's kind of what it was with Bo's speed, but it ended up being pretty bad uh, where he dropped off from 25 steals to 13, and more importantly, went from 25 for 26 to 13 for 21. Do you carry any concerns there with Bo's speediness? Uh, a little bit. Um, in, in what terms, you project him for? Uh, that is a good question. You got fourteen. Sorry, I, I, I brought it up there. You got fourteen, and I gave him, I gave him eighteen, but I think I gave him still getting caught a decent bit. So you got him down for fourteen. So with Bobuchet, you do have a little concern then. Yeah, I I just don't have concerns with the overall skill set. So yeah, he's still a G, and he's still your number three. Let me be clear. Yeah. And he was just uh, fantastic in the second half. He made some real adjustments. Uh, there was a great article 
on uh, on Fangraphs earlier on in the offseason, uh, and I'm going to try to find it uh, so that way I don't. Bobuchet uh, scissor kick has revitalized his swing mm-hmm. by Esteban Rivera. I beat you to it. I got you. Yep. And help, I, I'm helping you out you, here. If you're an FPAS, I talked a lot about that. Uh, and it really has me bought in. Like he he made real mechanical changes that led to the huge second half kind of breakout where he hit 337. Not obviously projecting at 337, but I'm projecting him to have just a really, really good year. Maybe it doesn't come with the amount of stolen bases that it, you know, previously did. But I still think 15 is in the cards. And um I think he is. A very, he's got a very, very high floor, which is what I'm looking for kind of at the back end of the first round. So if I end up having like a back end of the first round kind of pick, I'm looking to pair him with a Machado or an outfielder or maybe even like a, a Corbin Burns or Garrett Cole. So uh, I'm I'm totally fine leaving a draft with uh, Bo Bichette. Yeah, but there's so much to like with Bo Bichette and that even if you really do see him as more of a mid-teens, low-teens steals guy again, uh, there's a lot to like elsewhere with the runs, ribbies, homers, and batting average that you just pick up those steals elsewhere. So don't project him for 25. I do think you'll be mistaken there. And maybe he, maybe you do get that benefit. Maybe you get a little upside there. But if you plan for more of the 13, 14, 15 with Bichette and then you get more, great. That could be a bonus, of course. Um, are you paying the premium on Fernando Tatis Jr.? There was a little discussion about this just yesterday that I saw um, Rob Silver's tweet popped into my feed. I'm definitely not personally. I mean, you're already baking in 20 games off for sure. And then the fact that he has like 42 surgeries this off season or something, uh, <laughs> I, it seems like your answer is no. Cause he's your number two shortstop by projection, but are you really, are you, are you adhering to like, are you, you've got the numbers there. Are you also going to take Fernando Tatis Jr.? Cause he's a late, he's like a wheel pick. It depends on the format. And that's the hard part about doing these ranks. Um, is, I mean, I guess I could conceivably do ranks for every single format, and I might at some point this season because it'll be a lot more automated um, with uh, with the projections being uh, completely done. But ultimately, if you play in the types of leagues that kind of you and I tend to play in, which are mm-hmm. deep 15-team leagues with no IL spots, 5x5, five yep. five five, probably not most formats. Um the no IL spots can be real killer to take on that kind of injury risk. Do you have any experience with that? I do. I have a little (laughs) bit of experience with that. Uh, And so while I've got him projected to be a top 10 pick, uh, in spite of the fact that he's missing so many games, Mm -hmm. uh, he's unlikely to end up on any of my teams. One, I think he's going to be a top 10 pick as we get, closer uh and in the dcu and i are in right now i think he went like 12th or 13th or something like that um uh, i'm pulling it up right now yeah so yeah 12th however if you start talking about hey 10 team espn with il spots or 10 team um uh you know, Yahoo with IL spots. Yeah, I I am gonna probably take him there. Just you because take, you take him in the second round then with Tatis because uh, yeah. you know, especially if you're on the wheel right there, you can go 10-11, uh, like I don't know, Vlad and and Tatis. You got the safety floor, 
Uh, at least, you know, it feels like it with Vlad Jr. And then you get Tatis. That'd be an interesting combo to start with. Yeah, because I, I can replace him a lot easier. Exactly. Um, and uh, and I can also stash him on the IL if he misses time. Now, mm-hmm. you won't be able to stash him on the IL during his, his suspension, but you can make 20 games work, uh, you know, for you know knowing that he's going to be back very, very soon. Yeah, you um, go from like two to three reserves, I think. And, and mm-hmm. I think both those formats are, are standard just a few reserves there. So you're going to have a dead one, but it is for 20 games. You can probably navigate that early in the season with Tatis Jr. Then you get him back and then you hope he's healthy and plays like an uh, absolute stud the rest of the way. I think it also depends a lot on what your goal is. So like in, for me, well, but what is, what is winning, right? Like um, obviously first place is winning and mostly exactly what you're shooting for is first place. If you do not care about second place, then Tatis is makes a lot of sense. Like for instance, like in leagues like you and I do for Tout and Labor um, or TGFBI, like I don't care if I finish second. Like second is the same as fifteen. You Ricky Bobby them fools. Yeah. So like I'm totally willing to take that kind of risk because the difference between second and fifteen is nothing. All I want is number one, and Tatis easily, especially with replacement value added. Could be the number one player in fantasy pretty easy. He certainly could, but he could also miss time due to injury after returning and be remarkably frustrating again. Um, I will not take him in any NFBC format. There's absolutely no shot. I'm not completely averse to it in a in a format with an IL, but it's just not something I'm looking to bring onto the team right away, which is 20 guaranteed missed games, not due to injury. They are, they are due to the suspension. But then the the injury risk that he carries with multiple surgeries is not for me. I'm willing to take an L on Fernando Tatis while somebody else gets him and and uh, you know gets the roster. In. And then, like, like I said, in 15 team mixed leagues, especially NFBC ones, um, I completely agree. That he's legitimately off my board in those leagues. Like, mm-hmm. he's just, I'm just there's no way I touch him in those leagues. Can't do. Um, it, but in your standard leagues, which most people listening are playing, totally willing to take that gamble. Why so few runs for Francisco Lindor on your projection? You've got him. You've got Lindor for just 89 runs. And you got to play 155 games. Felt that's a bit light there. I got him in the triple digits. I know you don't always want to go triple digits on, on runs or ribbies with projections. It can be a little conservative. But I felt like 89 was selling him short on that ball club. What say you? Um, that ball club is a little bit weak at, at, at points. Um, Not where he's that, batting. Uh, I mean, he's got big meat Pete behind him. He's and then what is that by last year? Jeff McNeil is a good hitter. I mean, like uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not like. Uh, in love I like that. I like that lineup a lot better when Correa was in it. Um, I mean, yeah, but he doesn't make that much of a difference. You put Correa where Escobar is, and then move Correa to that five spot. Sure, it would be Alonzo and Correa. And I if, get it. Yeah, I just, I, I, and I mean, I don't dislike Lindor. I've got him as a top thirty. You know, Correa player. wasn't on the team last year. Yeah, yeah, maybe I am a little bit. Light. I think you got to be in the. He didn't league. score hundred runs there. He scored Either. 98. I know, I know. Um, he scored 98, and I got Big Meat Pete hitting 50 bombs this year. So, 
Yeah, maybe you know. I need to give him a couple. Just a little. Um, you know, it can make a difference there. You've got him fifth. I'm not asking you to even necessarily move off of that. I just I saw it, and it stood out to me. Because I'm at 104, so maybe I'm on the high end. Maybe we need to meet in the middle. Might be a meet in the middle situation here. I can admit that maybe it's a little high, because I agree looking at it now. Interestingly, what? all the projection systems are kind of in line with me, uh, and actually lower than me. Uh, you know, the Bad X has them for 84. ATC has them for 86. I see that. Steamer has them for 82. Um, they're all projecting I, the I Mets lineup that. to not be nearly as good. Yeah, they must um, hate the Mets lineup because they got them all for 150-plus games. That's curious to me. Um, which, same I mean, with- it, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, in this regard, both Brandon Nimmo and Starling Marte, who are projected to uh, you know lead off and hit second in this lineup, have massive injury risk. Like, do we really expect Nimmo, who had never really hit 600 plate appearances before, to do that again with the Mets uh, in the you know his first year of of his big deal? Marte's uh, career in, but season more importantly, season last year have been marred but marred by injury and missed time. Um, I don't think anybody doubts Pete Alonso. Uh, you know, will Jeff McNeil take a step back? Uh, you know, and then the back half of this lineup actually sucks. Like, I mean, I, I, I you know, uh, I, I love Daniel Vogelbach as an idea and as kind of the mascot for A my hero. Yeah, uh, exactly. But like, he, he's your DH and uh, Mark Canha, uh, cannot ha. Um, oh, Eduardo Escobar is garbage. Um, though I, I think we did get pushback somewhere on, uh, on him, I think it was maybe on Twitter. It was on Twitter that he had some interesting splits that could make Escobar and Beatty a really interesting uh, full-on split where Escobar is more of the uh, soft side, uh, short side platoon uh, to maximize what he does best. And then, of course, Beatty being the left-hander takes on takes on righties. I really uh, did like the addition of Tommy Pham. I know he got a lot of heat, not necessarily because of him, but because of a beat writer. It's all like trying to excuse like him smacking uh josh peterson but absolutely um, no excuse for that that was yeah such bullshit but he's still he's still a quality baseball player also has injury concerns 100 percent, you know um but even even last year in kind of a kind of a nagging season you could still see glimpses of, of what makes tommy fam good now i'm not gonna say 87 ops plus is good but i don't think he's cooked either if he can come in find some health mm-hmm. uh and, and be a little bit of a piece for them in more of a part-time role, maybe maybe if they're eyeing 125, 130 games for him, uh, that could be interesting. Although if he doesn't play every day, he might go slapping Steve Cohen for some reason. So you got to watch out for that. So well, I I do think the Mets are going to be good again um, and offensively good again. I can see lots of things going wrong with this lineup where uh, Lindor doesn't score nearly as many runs as he did last year. That being said, I am totally fine with the price on Lindor this year. I actually think he might be a bit overlooked, um, you know, and as much as we love talking about how shortstop is really, really good, I don't think it's as deep as people make it out to be. And it goes a lot faster. And I'm lear- I learned that in our draft that we're doing currently together, um, where all of a sudden I went, oh, no, there are no more shortstops. Left. Well, that's your fault for waiting, though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Carlos Correa I'm, I'm, and Jeremy Pena, and we'll get to Pena, but they were in the eighth round. Like, what the hell are you doing? Wake up. 
Like you had your chances. I waited till the fifteenth round. Yeah, you had your chances. That's yeah, your no. fault. And you can sell us on your two guys because one of them I love, and the other I know is one of your guys. And we'll get to them. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it does it does go fast. But it is deep because there's there's so many going in those first eight rounds. But you can't just sleep uh, forever there when when you're taking all those pictures. Maybe leave Nathaniel low for me and actually build a better team construction. And then nope, you don't have to stop. And I you love know what? And you know what's perfect is the 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 round that you took low, I took another shortstop, my second, because I got Bo and Ahmed Rosario. So yeah, I probably I probably should have taken Ahmed Rosario. Yeah, we could we could have flipped those two. I don't think they allow. Let's see if we yeah, let's see if we can trade. I don't I don't think they'll let us. Uh, What's a bigger impact on Corey Seager's average standard regression or the shift rules? Um, I just standard regression and I I uh, think the shift stuff's being a a little like if, if he if he. Pops off the way we both think he can. I think I put two ninety four. You put you put three hundred three. You got him back to three hundreds. Um, I don't think it's just the shift. I think he was always going to bounce back in a big way this year. Yeah, I think the big question is, can he stay healthy? This was his first fully healthy season, um, and I I, I worry. Yeah, uh, yeah. Since twenty sixteen. Um, I really worry that he is not going to be able to stay healthy just because that has been his MO. Uh, that being said, when he is on the field per plate appearance, he is a damn good hitter. I am not worried about him uh, at all. He got super, super unlucky last year. He had a 242 Babbitt. You look at like his XBA, his XBA was 283. Um, first year of a new deal, you know, kind of readjusting to a brand new park that's not as hitter friendly. Um, I think and he still popped thirty three bombs, like right, like exactly. And and, and if he hadn't been unlucky with the base hits, he would have been a a checkpoint, a check mark in the first year of a new deal popping off because he could have had a career year if he'd have hit two eighty five or something last year. So Corey Seager, you know, and I know Jeff uh, Jeff Zimmerman's been on this too, where it's like stop saying the shift rules on Corey Seager regression for him. There are going to be guys that benefit from the shift and maybe he adds benefit from the shift and hits 320 in like a mega year. Like I think that is in the cards, but any of the big batting average projections that you're seeing for Corey Seager, please understand that those are, those are regression. Those are not uh, the projection systems or you and I reacting to the shift rules. Yeah, I, I I think he's gonna be just fine. You look, the contact skills are actually like the best he's had since like 2016 or something like that. Like he's he's a, just a fantastic hitter. For me, the only concern is health. Well, I, I mean, and he doesn't steal bases. Like yeah, we saw we saw okay we saw that. a massive uptick from like two to three. Uh, well, just popping bases. off. Um, but other than that, like uh, I think he is just a legitimately fantastic hitter as long as he's on the field yep big time big time fan of Corey seager have no problem putting him on the team after kind of a wave uh, of of the first couple shortstops go i've got him as my fifth shortstop so I'm, I'm absolutely in on Corey seager for a big season i like what texas is doing as well o'neill cruz how worrisome is his volatility because i look and i look at even both of our projections you know we still got that sub 300 OBP. Uh, you got him actually at, up, up over 317 at 317, which I, I'm not sure I agree with. I put him at 298. I, I still have him struggling to get over 300 there. I just worry. 
I understand that the power and speed, like his raw tools are sexy. They are absolutely awesome. Good thing I don't work in an office because sometimes I'm watching videos of O'Neill Cruz and you know, you can't have Janice from accounting walking by when you're looking at that mm -hmm. and you're going to get in trouble for looking at porn at work. So thankfully I don't have that issue. Um, although I, if Jen comes in, I do switch to another tab. I don't want her to know what I'm looking at, but 35% strikeout rate, 8% walk rate, 8% walk rate is decent, but it doesn't sustain a 35% K rate. I worry. I know he smacks the piss out of the ball and 17 homers, 10 steals. I do have a good projection for him, uh, for O'Neill Cruz, but I don't think I'm going to end up with him anywhere because I think the volatility is massive. And while there is big upside, I think there is more downside than upside still with O'Neill Cruz. Am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy. We're seven uh, spots apart, by the way. He's your seven. He's my 14. Yeah, that. I mean, I think that's too low. Just... Um, because of what he can do in terms of home runs and stolen bases. But I completely understand why you feel the way you do. And you're right in a lot of, for a lot of reasons. Um, I, who I think you're too aggressive. You know, we, we've had some discussions here about runs ribbies being a big difference between our, our numbers. And this is, this is another one of those cases and I know that you've got some love for the Pirates lineup. You talked about that. And obviously you will make the adjustment if Brian Reynolds leaves. Yeah. So until he leaves, but then how are you going to shit on my boy Cabrizi and then, uh, and then find 84 runs for O'Neill Cruz. Because you get a, you get a run every time you hit a home run. I mean, you, you True. get across the plate yourself. How many is he in? He's only hitting 20 something. How many you got him for? Um, I got, I got 27. So again, we're not that far. I got 22 steals and you have 19. I got more steals than you, one fewer homer. So it's like it is the runs yeah, steal bases if you're just jogging around them. Exactly. Um, it is the runs, ribbies, and batting average that we have a difference on, which is three categories, by the way. I'm not acting like we have a tiny mm -hmm. difference, but we have a pretty stark difference on the runs, ribbies, and then 11 points, or excuse me, nine points of batting average with O'Neill Cruz. And I just think you have to pay full value for him, too. He's the eighth shortstop off the board, um, which is one spot lower than you actually have him. He's your seven. But I, I just can't get there right now because I still think he's such a raw player. And I don't know I don't know that, that anything's necessarily going to click. I think he's just going to live off of his raw tools. I don't know that he's going to stop striking out at, at an, a worrisome clip because even 30%, which is where the projections are, um, actually, steamers down to 27. The bat and ATC are at, at 29.30. That's still too high for me. Yeah. I mean, uh, I probably should tamp down the runs at least. Yeah, you got 84. The batting average, I feel like I'm okay with. I'm actually lower than you're with. You're uh, with the projections, yeah. They're, they're yeah. in the mid mid to upper two forties. You're in the low two forties. So yeah. I'm I'm and definitely I, the low man there at two. I feel like that is right. The the hard part is like he's going to strike out a lot. So if you're playing in a points league with strikeouts, like he it could be a massive killer. Yeah, O'Neill Cruz uh, could really sting you there. You got to yeah. be format uh, mindful there. So I'm. I'm really, really tantalized by him. And those of you who listened to the podcast previously to this season know just how much I've loved O'Neill Cruz in the past. That being said, I seems it seems unlikely I end up with him anywhere just because of the volatility that you're speaking of. It's so hard to come up with a projection for him uh, that makes sense because what he does does not make sense. Like he is just a massive dude. 
um, that plays shortstop. Uh, he hits the ball just so effing hard, but he swings and misses so effing hard as well. Um, I I don't like to invite that kind of volatility at his price. If he was going 50 picks later, we'd be having a completely different discussion. But sure. um, there's so many guys going behind him that have just such safer floors that it seems more likely I'm going to end up with them. Now, yeah, again, Antonio Cruz in, is pick 80, by the way, for those that are wondering yeah. here in these winter drafts. Uh, I'm doing the draft champions since the first of the year. Okay. Um, now, those, again, of you who are, like, playing Roto, not points leagues, but, like, if you're playing in a 10-team league, I, I, I'm i going to chase that upside. You can I'm invite a bit more of, of that, like you're saying, because the replacement value is going to be higher. I do get that. And, again, we have... 15 teamers in mind with uh with limited reserves and and no il baked in uh when we're talking about a lot of this stuff here so it does change and that's why we like to be clear that it does change but man i just i love the talent I, i'm just I, I think it's one of those where i'm gonna observe from afar and if i'm wrong i'll be like cool at least i'm, I'm along for the ride to watch it but i still have some concerns about o'neill cruz i can't pay the full premium right now on o'neill cruz could Tommy Edmonds stolen bases be a big winner with the new rules? Again, there's three rule changes that all can play into stolen bases. You have the larger bases, the pitch clock, so you can time it better, and the throwovers. There's only two, so if they do those first two, then you know you can get a bigger lead because they can't do shit about it. Um, so do we do we think that he could pop off and really go crazy here? I've got him for 28. You have Tommy Edmond for 25, which I believe is just in line with what he's been doing um, and I'm not saying we should have necessarily project him for like 45 or anything, but he's been 30 and 32 the last couple of years. We actually have him dropping down. Should we maybe be on the other end? Should we be like at 34, 35 for Tommy Edmond? I think it's really hard to know. Um, the problem with Tommy Edmond is I think there's a legitimate chance he hits the bottom of this lineup. Um, and that's really scary for that potential to steal bases. Uh, you know, but will there's he no be there's able- no pitcher batting though, so would he not be able to still run down there? Yeah, you're just less likely to let a guy run in front of, you know, your top studs, uh, uh, you know. And, you know, if he let's say he gets put at, like, six, he's probably going to have a really good hitter already on base in front of him um, quite often. So I'm, I'm a little worried about that. That being said, like, I do think he's going to get to 25 pretty easy. I also don't want to like overrate, you know, similarly with like the shift and other things. Like, I don't want to overrate what we don't know. Yeah. Um, and I think there's this idea that, oh, this is going to be here with a stolen base explosion. So you don't have to pay up for stolen bases. One, we have no idea. Like, I mean, this could get completely overblown. Teams may still go. It's not a cost-effective move in terms of winning ball games. Uh, it adds the injury risk, um, and they may just, you know, there might be an uptick, but it might be a small uptick. I think it. I think there will be a bit of an explosion. I have no idea who it's going to benefit, though, and I think it could feasibly just be spread across the entire league, really, where mm-hmm. a bunch of guys are getting a handful more, but maybe the studs don't necessarily pop off. I do think somebody's going to pop off and drop 50 for the first time since D. Gordon. Um, I want to say in 2018, I looked this up the other day, so I, I don't remember. But like, 
I'm not projecting anybody that high. So I'm with you in like being cautious about this, but I do think that I do think we'll see more steals because those all three of those rules really do make stealing uh, uh, more viable. And I think maybe some team, some team out there or a couple of teams are probably going to see it as a market inefficiency that they're going to want to take advantage of. And, you know, even if there is an explosion, just because, uh, because there'll be more stolen bases in our game, you'll need more stolen bases to compete. To compete. So like, exactly. Like it does not devalue these guys that much that can steal you 20 or 30. Uh, Back to Edmund, I'm just a little bit afraid of where he hits in that lineup. Um, okay. And, but I mean, it's, he's still a really, really good player. I'm not like crapping on him wall. He's just, I feel like he's unlikely to be on my team because I'm either going to have a shortstop by the time I get to Tommy Edmund or I will just wait on kind of some of the guys I really like going behind him. Not a huge sample, but he, he did kill it at the, at the nine spot last year. 272, 324, 544, and 112 plate appearances. But to your point, just two steals and 21 and seven batting first and second, respectively, for Tommy Edmond. So small samples there. Don't want to parse those and say that that's the set in stone, but your point is well understood. Mm-hmm. What does Danzy Swanson do in year one in Chicago? He had the perfect walk year. He got paid. He got paid less than, than we kind of thought he would, given where the market was going. I thought it was a nice signing by the Cubs. It's it's a good outlay, 177 mil. No one's crying. Poor for him. But, uh, you know, we were talking, maybe thinking it would be low 200s because of where every, everything else was going. But he put up 25 homers, 18 steals, 96 ribbies, 99 runs, and hit 277. Just an excellent season. He's played 160 and 162 games the last two years. So he's been an absolute stalwart. What do you like for Dansby as a Cub in year one? I mean, I like Dansby a lot, which seems weird for me to say. Um, <laughs> All I think those he, many years ago when you hated him. Yeah, I think he can kind of be a very similar guy to that he was last year, just in fleet fewer plate appearances. So I've got him for 25 uh, home runs, uh, 15 stolen bases, and I think some people are going to balk at the 15 stolen bases. Um, and this has very little to do with the new stolen base rules because, like I said, I'm not really overrating those. But more of the fact is the Cubs like to steal the, you know, steal bases. Steal bases like, yeah, they were. You were, were going to say steal the ball, which I steal like. the ball. They, they probably like to steal the ball. They should too. start stealing the ball. I think that'd be interesting. They were top five team in stolen bases last year. Mm-hmm. Um, David Ross likes to push it on the base path. And if you believe that the stolen base rules will affect teams differently, that aggressive teams will become more aggressively and less aggressive teams will still be less aggressive, then uh, the Cubs could steal a ton of bases this year. Say a Suzuki yeah. for 15 or something. That would be mm-hmm. sick. And so, I mean, I think 15 stolen bases, uh, you know, down from 18, like is a realistic projection uh, for, for Mr. Swanson. You know, I think the park is is a, a pretty decent place to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, it I think uh, it played fairly well last year and has played fairly well, especially in the summer months. Uh, and I think that lineup is actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, yeah it's, it's it's getting deep. He's going to take a step back from last year. Um, he's moving from a fantastic team, like a great team, to a uh, okay team. Um, but I think he is going to still be very good. Uh, and as long as he's healthy, uh, health has been an issue for him in the past. Um, 
And I, uh, I got him as my number six shortstop, uh, yeah. which um, surprised me. But <laughs> I, I think that, well, everybody always says that shortstop is super deep. Is. I don't know that it is as deep as people make it out to be. Um, especially, is. like, there's at a the lot of. End. Well, at the top end, I think there are like five elite options. And then I think there are a lot of really good options. Um, that's, that's and, and then and then there is a massive cliff. Um, what do you think that uh, cliff hits? I think that cliff hits after Correa. Uh, I yeah, you probably after Tyro. Okay, so that's eighteen. If you can't yeah. get one there, what the hell are you doing? You know, and what? Okay, we'll, we'll we'll say seventeen, right? Because Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be used more at third base because we've talked about, you know, what what that position is looking like. So I, th- you know. I think the I think it is compounded by the fact that second base is really bad depth wise. That a lot of these guys are going to be people's MIs, and they're going to go really really quickly. Yeah, so you um, got to jump on it though. Yeah, See, I, I like, I I think. I think there is depth at second base. There's not star talent, but I think then there's a huge group of guys that are like damn near the same. And we did do a second base preview too. So you can check that out. But these two positions are interesting. And I agree with you on the, on the shortstop MI, but I'm leveraging the depth of shortstop to get multiple players there. So if you get left out, I do think that that's kind of, kind of your own choice there to not jump in because uh, there are so many good guys, but they do go, in the first, you know, 10 rounds of a 15 team draft, which is, of course, 150 picks. So if you want one, yeah. you got to get one. Yeah, is you the, can't wait. Is the market underrating Xander Bogarts's move to San Diego? It is a large park move. And I know we talked about it a bit with Manny Machado. He's found a way to find a lot of success there. His first year was pretty bad in San Diego as far as his home record. Uh, and then since then, he's he's propped it back up. Xander's a great hitter. He's a guy I've really liked in the past years. Uh, I've always felt like he's kind of undervalued. This year, I'm worried he's a bit overvalued because, again, that park is a sharp hit. And I think it's really going to ding his batting average. What do you think about Xander moving to San Diego? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty low on Bogarts. I've got Bogarts 14th, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, he's been kind of a top five to seven guy every year in terms of like where he falls in the ADP and where he's fallen in my ranks. But like when you actually do out the projection, you worry that the power is going to, you know, continue to be low. Like it was uh, last season, you tend to start to worry about like, Hey, how many stolen bases are we going to see out of a guy, uh, you know, like Bogarts, who's not particularly fast to begin with. He's more of just a efficient, smart base dealer. Um, and the Padres had the fourth fewest stolen bases in Major League Baseball last year. They have not been aggressive. And that lineup is so good. Why would you risk getting out when, like, sure. you've got such, like, good talent up and down that lineup? If you believe roster resource, he's not going to be batting in the top three of that lineup, um, which is going to hurt those runs scored, which is he, what he's, you know, built a lot of value on over mm-hmm. the years. And yeah, do, does he have some regression in batting average? Now, I tend to not worry too much about the regression in batting average. I think he's shown that he's just an exceptionally good hitter. 
But it hasn't um, been in Boston. No, I, I think you're I think you're greatly underselling the home road splits on Xander Bogarts. And I know you don't just listen, we talk about it when guys leave Colorado. Um, and so I'm not gonna just sit here and go, oh, he's 271 now because he's leaving uh Boston. But Xander hit 312 at home, 271 on the road. He had over a 100 point OPS split. I, I certainly can't put him for a 312. Uh, so I do have concerns here. I mean, he hit 297 on the road last year. So, like, okay, I'm that's one year. I'm going to go with the, uh, you know, you, you can go with last year. I'll go with the 2,700 plate appearances. How about that? Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the much larger sample. And he also had a 354 Babbitt. And again, this park hurts. It's not just the road numbers on the on their face. Because if he was going to a better park, I wouldn't have a concern. What did he do in 2021? Because I know you looked at that because you wanted to say, well, then he also did pretty well there. No, he hit 275. Like, you don't have a 272 road average for your career um, w- without having some issues. A 271, rather. Like, his road numbers haven't necessarily been that good the only other time that he he spiked was in the nothing year of 2020 he did have a 282 in 2019 um and i like sander he's a good hitter i won't i won't be completely floored if he figures it out but i have to put something down in the projection to account for this move and the fact that he's he's been boosted by fenway and i did regress him like i don't have him hitting 300 um, which is pretty much what he's hitting, you know, last four seasons. But you still have him hitting um, more than his career average, which is 292. Don't you have him hitting 294? I think I have him hitting 286. Oh, in that case, then that, okay, that's fine then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, okay. Pardon me. Um, which, you know, like it's not nearly as good as what it was previously, but like it's still fine. Like he's, you know, it's still, it's still a plus in the, uh, in your column. I, for me, it's a matter of like, do I think he gets to 80 runs scored or 90 RBIs? And I don't necessarily. Um, I put him for 84, 80 on the runs ribbies. Yeah. I, I put him for 77, 84. So um, yeah. And I don't think he comes close to 20 home runs. So, you know, I have him for 16 and I'm actually a little bit worried about that. I don't have him for double digit uh, stolen bases. Like I, I think he's kind of boring this year. I, I don't think he's, I think he's always been kind of boring, and that's yeah. part of why why he's been down, but boringly good as far as I'm concerned with yeah. Sandra Bogarts, and that's why I've liked him. I actually do think that there could be a little bit of power added in, in exchange for the hits because also, you know, he, a lot of green monster hits, of course, building up that average. So maybe he does slug a couple more homers to mitigate the batting average drop, but I do worry that the batting average is going to come down a, a decent bit. I've got him into the 280s um, w- with those 18 homers, five steals, and then the runs ribbies, 84-80, like I mentioned. I- I'm not out on him. I just have some concerns about this move to the Padres, and I want to kind of see what he does. And it's year one of a huge contract, going back to what we talked about at the very outset with Trey Turner. Yeah, and his contract's insane. Um, it is big. It is yeah, big. it's really big. Um yeah, I'm probably fading in this year. There's just too many other guys I like going around him or going. Xander. Xander Bogats. All right. Does Wander Franco arrive this year? We both like him relative to the market. Uh, we have him. I've got him seventh. You have him eighth. The market has him 11th. Is this our last year to kind of get in before he is him? And then he has to be, you know, a top five shortstop. What do you think of Wander Franco this year? Um, 
not only it's your last chance, because I don't project him to have like this monster breakout type of season, uh, but I do feel like this is another classic example of a top prospect coming up, disappointing people, and then the fantasy industry and community being like, well, screw that guy. He sucks. I disagree a little bit because I expected a bigger discount under that principle. Um, it is a discount. Make no mistake about it. He was going like the top 50 last year pretty pretty easily for uh, Wander Franco, and he's now at 94. So it is it is a sizable discount. I guess I selfishly was hoping he'd go outside the top 100 because <laughs> then yeah. I would just be getting him everywhere. And listen, I understand what you're saying, that you don't have him projected for some crazy year. And I think you're saying that because the runs and steals, the two categories that people kind of go to when they think about amazing years, uh, are pretty pedestrian at 15 and 9 for you. But if he puts up 90 runs, 81 ribbies, and 293 average that you have, that is a huge year. Yeah. I mean, I think he's I think he's legitimately just a fantastic hitter. I agree. Um, and I'm, I, by the way, I'm up there with you. Like, And he was a guy that I literally wrote an article that said, he's off my board. I'm not paying this Wander Franco yeah. premium because where's the fantasy juice? And I don't like it. Now I've seen, you know, even though it was only a half year, I guess I'm higher than the market all of a sudden because I'm not completely off of him i think the batting average is going to be the carrying tool with the with the runs yeah. and i'm a little bit surprised that like the bad x has him for 73 runs um i just i'm not entirely because they have him for i mean i guess 279 337 4 429 is it's fine it's not bad but i do have a, a, a quite a bit higher average so maybe that's that's where the runs come in but uh i think runs and, and batting average is where wander franco can be really really strong this year and kind of drive his value yeah i think that's exactly where and i think he does you know well i don't think he has a ton of power like i think there's some sneaky speed in there like we, we saw him maybe he's uh, a ben- beneficiary of the uh, of the rules there and he jumps up yeah. to double digits because then if wander franco's getting double digit steals that's something um you know i got him for a 287 average which is is a boost but i don't think it's out of pocket he had 277 last year and kind of a yeah. injury riddled shit season, all mm-hmm. things considered. He's still a 116 WRC plus. So, you know, again, it's weird how much of, of a hard turn I've had in, in just a year. So I guess the discount is good enough for me because I'm I'm pretty keen on him relative to the market. Yeah. I think there are gonna be people in drafts, and I, I think I've already drafted him twice this year. Like they're gonna be there are gonna be some drafts where people just completely ignore him because they underrate um what a guy who like is potentially leading off or hitting second can do with that kind of batting average. Well, in, in fairness to, to, to those people, it is hard when your two best fantasy categories are kind of reliant on the rest of the team and, and luck, right? Batting yeah. average, you got to get your batted balls uh, to land, uh, i.e. Corey Seager, uh, like we talked about earlier. And then, of course, the runs – there have to be people driving him in, which we, you know, the Rays are good again, I think. So I don't know that that's necessarily going to be a huge problem, but I understand that with those two categories, and that's why, that's part of why I didn't like him last year. I was like, where's the fantasy juice? Where's the power? Where's the speed? Those are the categories that you could bank on. And it ended up being a good fade, maybe only because of the uh, uh, injuries that limited him, Wander Franco to 83 games. But now I'm back in all of a sudden. Yeah. So. The price is right. I think so. I think so. Is Tim Anderson just going to be a missed time every year type of guy? I mean, he has been his entire career. So, like, I don't know why that changes this year. Um, I can't project it to change. You can, you can wish cast it, but I don't think you can per, put it in a projection. Yeah. Right? 
I love Tib Anderson. I think he Great. is a fantastic player, but like he does miss he has time. one full season. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll think, give him credit for two because he, he played 146 games in 2017, but it was 606 plate appearances. If you reach 600 plate appearances, I'm giving you credit for a full season. But 17 and 18 are his two full seasons. The last uh, three full seasons, he's missed significant time for Tim Anderson. Yeah. Um, that being said, like, again, in your 10 team and 12 team leagues, especially when you have IL spots. You know, there's going to be replacement value, you know, Tim Anderson plus whatever the waiver wire replacement value can be pretty valuable. So, like, I think in those formats, it makes a lot of sense. But uh, in uh, in deeper formats, for those of you playing that, I think it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, because he, you know, potentially could miss another half of the season like he, he did pretty much this last year. Yep. I think you got to be careful with that for sure. Not a fan of Jeremy Pena, are you? I that's a tough projection, man. I just don't know that there's much growth for Jeremy Pena. Like I feel like I do understand. We... Let me let me, give, let me give your numbers before you, you speak yeah. on him because you got him relatively low here. You got him as the 20th shortstop, 18 and 11 with a 248 average, 76 runs at 67 ribbies for Jeremy Pena. And listen, I get it. It's not really there in the numbers, and I think it could be a bit of a sophomore slump before a junior year surge. I know we don't call their third year the junior year, but you know what I mean. Um, Coming off of that rookie year, I could see some pullback because the skills weren't great and then a surge. Um, I kind of like him a a little bit more than that, though. you got him as your 20th shortstop. So talk to us about Jeremy Pena and some of your concerns. Um. I just worry, like, I don't think there's any more speed coming. Like, I think the power is what we saw last year. I think he's a low 20s kind of homer guy. Um, The plate skills are not, uh, I don't want to call them scary, but they're not exciting me. Swings outside the zone a lot. He doesn't walk. His swing strike rate was almost 16%, um, which is... Yeah, like that, like I would be very surprised if he's even able to maintain the 24% strikeout rate that we saw last year. I think that's going to definitely go up. Um, I think what we saw last year is kind of who he is. He's like a 2010 guy um, with a mediocre batting average, and that's fine. But I think a lot of people or remembering the big moments or the playoffs, especially. Yeah. Or wish casting like, Hey, he did this at 22 or whatever age he was at. I think um, that, that part like, though, 25, he's 25 now, but, um, oh, okay. So he isn't even that young. Cause I was going to say, no. if, he is, if, if he is like 22, that's one thing, but 24, Jeremy Pena might be a bit more fully formed. I think that is a fair critique that you're levying there. Yeah. So I'm just a little worried that, um, he kind of is who he is. Like, like I said, that's not a bad thing. I just, I'm not expecting growth. And if anything, I'm expecting a little bit of regression. So um, I'm not going to pay the price on him, which, which is fine. There's plenty of other guys to pay the price on. Yeah. There, there are some bad skills there that could be worrisome. The plate skills are atrocious. 24% K 4% walk like that combo is scary. 22 and 11 in 136 games. I could see some extrapolation from people for like 150 games, and that's how they're getting there. The market's at 14. I'm at 16. You're at 20. Doesn't look like either of us are going to be getting a whole lot of Jeremy Payne. I, I'm at, uh, did I say 16 for myself? Yeah. So 14 for the market, 16 me, 20 you. You're fully out. I'm mostly out on Jeremy Payne, especially because I'll probably just have shortstop taken care of by then, is the main thing. 
Is Ahmed Rosari, Rosario a sneaky value? Uh, we are both ahead of the market. I have him as my 11th guy. You have him as your 13th. Our dollar values are in lockstep. There's a little bit of pop, you know, little low teens homers. I don't know if you have that. You have 10, so you have double digit at least. I think he could have some real speed upside with the with the rules and the fact that he's just a speedy guy. And then the runs uh, at the top of the order and a decent average. What do you think of Ahmed Rosario? Is he somebody that you're targeting there in that mid-tier of shortstops? I mean, I think he's a huge volume play. Like, he, he's a guy that entered last season with some questions about how much he was going to play. Um, and there was no question after that season. He's now had, you know, three seasons in the majors where he's gotten over 150 games played. Uh, he's going to play every day in that lineup. If you are a believer um, in things like contract years, this is his contract year. Um, I'm not a believer in that thing uh, or in, in that, that so, theory. So but... the value of that, that's been studied, right? And it's been mm -hmm. in different books. I think baseball between the numbers did it. The value usually is that they would, th th what they found was when the guys did pop off, it's like they would play through more nagging injuries to accumulate more volume. Rosario already does that. As yeah. you just highlighted, he plays all the time already. So I'm not sure that there would be some major skill growth. Maybe. And I don't know how much this would play in free agency, but maybe he wants to put up like 30 steals to be more appealing or something like that. But yeah, I don't know that Rosario even has the skills to muscle up to hit 20 homers. So I don't know what he would be able to do. It's also age 27 season. Aren't you sold by that though? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even <laughs> account for that. Um, 27 so. and contract year, bro. He's a first like, rounder. I'm taking yeah. Ahmed Rosario in the first dog. Um, it's over. Yeah, I mean, I like Ahmed Rosario. Like, I think he, he's going to hit high up in that lineup, and he's going to play every day. And he, uh, I wish he still had outfield eligibility, but even without that, like, he's, um, I think, like, a just legitimately good player. Uh, and he's going to end up on a lot of my teams. I, part of me wishes I had taken him in this draft where I took Nathaniel Lowe instead. That's what you get for trying to burn me, dummy. And you've been mind messing with me in the draft too. Yeah, it's sure. been, yeah, yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah, I, I think you put together a good team though. Not Thank as good you. as mine, but I think oh, you put well, together I'll, a good team. I'll take that. I, I, I like the my squad. projections has me winning the league. Hey, that's good. Then you're as, actually as, following as, your own projections as they should. Yeah. It, it's been interesting too because we've had some back and forth. Uh, you know, kind of kind of jamming each other with picks. And mm. by the way, we're not taking picks just to burn each other. We like the players. We just like too many of the same guys. And so, yeah, I find myself really liking your team. You know, when the news came out and mining the news from Jeff Zimmerman that Jordan Walker, an article basically confirming what you said about yeah. he's going to break camp that you got from Matt Thompson. Let's mm -hmm. give the credit to Matt Thompson on that. Um, I took him because I was up and I was like, well, he's not making it back with Justin having two chances at him. And then you took Newt Bar, who was literally my top guy before that walker news came and, I, and I, was, I was like hey hat tip nice pick there same thing happened when you mind after me and you said he's not going to get back to you and i couldn't figure out who you're talking about i had it down to a couple guys and i thought mm -hmm. it was one of my cincinnati reds it was myers that you were talking about um because you were you were trying to tease me into taking him but i thought you might have been on fraley and kind of kind of juking me because you already have myers in one of our leagues and so i was like i don't want to lose out fraley so i took him you took Trevor Rogers, who was literally my top pitcher. So yeah. we have been in lockstep on so many things right now. It is annoying to draft with friends who you agree with a lot. I will say that you will. This lose may a lot be of our our last draft against each other. This I know. Year, so. I know. Uh, Unless we get put in the same main again, which if it's two years in a row, I'm going to call Shenanigans. Well, you're doing the Vegas one. I'm not going oh, to Vegas. What? 
right? Yeah, I'm assuming you're going to Vegas. I'm I am not going, going to Vegas. Vegas. I thought you were going. I'm I'm not going to Vegas, and I don't even know if I'm going to do any live events in New York. I'm still, if I do a live event in New York, it's probably going to be an auction. And they're selling out really quick, too, in New York. Okay. So. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but you'll be doing online stuff at least, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'll stream, be doing your, stream your main? Yeah, I expect okay. to do at least one main this year and probably one auction. Okay. Uh, NFPC. Uh, okay, cool, cool. Auction. So, uh, any hope for Javier Baez rebirth? Just lie to me, please. Please just lie to me. Yeah, I think there is. Oh, cool. Um, Thanks. <laughs> and I mean, let's be honest. Like, I think the rebirth happened in the second half last year. True. He did look um, a, a bit better. And, you know, by, by then I wasn't watching the games every day because I can only punish myself so much. But obviously, I follow the box scores. I'm on top of the team, you know, no matter if I'm watching every single day or not. Um, it was better. September was was good. Maybe the park changes can help him. And even though the park changes are tailored a bit more to lefties, um, he has oppo power. Javier Baez, like one of the things that kind of set him apart uh, when he was excellent was the fact that he could go oppo taco. So I wonder if he could steal a few extra um, uh, opposite field home runs there, get back into the 20s, and then maybe he sees fit to run a bit too because he was down to nine steals. He cut his uh, steals in half. I can't put too much of a rebirth on the batting average. He hit 238. Maybe he's hitting 240s, 250s. But maybe the the homers and steals might be there for Baez. So you like him as an MI potentially then? Yeah, like he actually had like his best zone contact uh, since like 2018 last year. Like he had his lowest strikeout rate, um, I think, of his career, uh, or pretty close to it. Um, Which is yeah, particularly of his, crazy of his, of his career. Like um, I think the park really hurt him. I yes. think he got pretty unlucky um you know he he had a 292 babip he's a career 328 babip guy um Righties i ate his life apart though like if, yeah. if, I, if I was a righty or if i had a righty rather on on the team and they didn't throw a slider to him i don't care if they didn't have a slider make one up throw sliders to javier baez or you're off the team yeah um because yeah he still just swings at everything at Every single slider from yeah. right-handers. He had a negative 11.3 pitch value on sliders, which is basically a, a linear weight of, of his performance, which is crazy because the year before he actually crushed sliders, 12.4 positive value. So he went all the way down to the negative, and Baez had a 618 OPS against righties. It was 603 at home. So Comerica plus righties ate him up. But like you said, started to show some things late, still did hit lefties, was mm -hmm. was capable on the road if the new park dimensions do help him a bit plus some regression just some natural regression and maybe figuring out how to lay off some of the sliders i really uh, not not just homerism i do think there could be something there because the market's not keen on him he's 19 shortstop off the board if you like javier Baez, you do not have to pay any sort of premium yeah i mean this is a guy that has in the past gone in the second round of drafts um yeah, I mean, it's huge upside, huge downside. Like, I don't mind this pick, especially where he's going. Um, I hope I have a shortstop by the time I get to him. But I was super tempted in this draft that we're in together. I was going to say, you you, <laughs> you might have wound up with Javier Baez yeah. as your starting shortstop. I, I, I was already I already had an issue with batting average, though. And so <laughs> you can't be bad in that guy. Yeah. I desperately would want him as my MI, right? Again, mm -hmm. I've shown that in my drafts, I'm not waiting that long on shortstop to where uh, Baez can be my shortstop. 
he will be my MI on any squad that I have him, which I know it's, it's not that it makes him, he doesn't have to be good or anything. Cause that's just a position like any other, but th there are two things that can cover it second and short. That's why we highlight the difference there. Um, you're not putting as much pressure on, on Javier Baez to be good. If he's not your starting shortstop, cause you can replace him with some second baseman. Yeah. Um, sell us on the CJ Abrams upside. He's, he's one of your guys. Uh, you've got him 19th at the position compared to 22 by the market and 22 by me. So not crazy far off, but I know you do like him. And again, in this DC that we're in, he did end up being your number one guy at short. So talk to us about CJ Abrams in year two with the Nats. Um, I feel like this is exactly what I was talking about earlier in terms of uh, the market or the fantasy community in general, just completely burying guys that they were extremely excited about as top prospects uh, a year ago. I mean, he, you know, people were all like, oh, you know, he's so good that he skipped AAA, you know, he came up and he struggled in large part because he skipped AAA. Like he wasn't quite ready. He was super, super young. Um, I think there is a very good hit tool in there. We know there is a ton of speed in there. I think the power will develop. I don't know that the power happens this year. Yeah. But he's going to play every day. He's probably going to hit second in that lineup. It's not a good lineup. So the runs in our third. Um, you, yeah, you, they already you, said I'm penciled in for third. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I would not be surprised, which is crazy considering how large your strike zone is. I know. Um, you're you're going to have like O'Neill Cruz type swinging <laughs> net without, without the power. Without the um, power or the speed. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Don't draft me. Um, so like, I think there's a legitimate shot that he hits like. 270 um or you know maybe maybe it's a little bit less maybe it's 260 uh just to uh but i also think he could legitimately steal 30 bases like i i don't i'm not projecting that um no but abrams could be again we've talked about it throughout this entire episode and throughout the entire offseason there, there's going to be some guys who really jump up we don't know exactly who they are but when you're making some tiebreakers and some decisions you're like okay i've got them projected for 17 steals mm -hmm. But I do know that there's a world where C.J. Abrams doubles that. If the, if yeah. everything kind of comes together for the 22-year-old, would you be that floored if he popped that kind of number? And the answer is no for both of us. Like We, we could see Abrams yeah. really going crazy. I projected him for 10 home runs, 18 stolen bases, uh, a 268 batting average, and pretty crappy runs and RBIs in spite of, in spite of the fact that he's going to be hitting second probably in that Yeah, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, that team is so bad. I had to do the... Uh, the Nationals preview last night um, for the FWFB pod. I did it with a guy named uh, Taylor Tarter. It'll be out in a couple days. Um, really, really nice guy. Go follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's only got like 200 followers. New, new guy in the industry. Um, Very cool. But like I felt mean having had like assigned him that one. Like it was like it was so. He's bad. like, wait, like, wait. Are you mad at me? Can Can you just let me know? We, we legitimately could have done that podcast in 15 minutes. We stretched it out to 50, but like we legitimately could have been. I could have just been like, do you care about this player? Do you care about that player? Do you no, care about this no, player? No. Yeah, I will say though. Them. I will say, I'm kind of excited about Dom Smith being named the starting first baseman. I'm a sucker I'm, for Dom Smith. He literally hit zero homers last year. I understand, but it's, it's a nice such part. a boring part profile, though. It's like, I it is, know, but it's it is so like, cheap. I know for a reason. Like he's gonna hit like okay. Eight, he's like Eric Hosmer. Shut your mouth. Okay, he you cannot is. say that about you cannot say that about somebody. We don't say that anymore. That's like the R word. It's like, like a 18, slur. It's that like a 18 slur. Call somebody Eric Hosmer. 
And I, like, I, I, I was just repeating what Justin said. Do not cancel me. Yeah. You cannot call people that, Justin. It's, that I mean, we have evolved as a society. But, and when I say Eric Cosmer, I mean like an early career Eric you Cosmer. Said it again. With, without you the stolen bases. Like, <laughs> like you're talking like 18 homers nah. and like nah, a nah, team nah, 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 nah. I got it. I got average. this. No, no. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. 25 homers for Dom Smith. You're high. Book You're it. I'm not high. It's too early in the morning. Over never... under 22 and a half home Over runs for Dom Smith. Book I'm putting this on, shit out putting of this that on the board. Dog. No. no book I, it. Dom okay. Smith's a G. And he's I even not... like Dom Smith where he's going in terms of his price, but I... he's not the H word, and I'm not I... saying it again because I'm not getting canceled. Are, are you drafting our boy Jorge Mateo? And I'll tell you, I wrote him up in the forecaster, so I'll give my answer first. I'm not because the thing I said about him and this type of profile is this is so much better picking up off the waiver wire than it is paying any sort of premium. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that he is like grossly overpriced and expensive, but even as the 20th shortstop off the board, actually that is kind of grossly overpriced and expensive for me. He's such a terrible hitter. What do you think of Jorge Mateo uh, after his breakout year last year? I want to find the next Jorge Mateo. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to find this year i don't want to pay for last year's because he costs not that you're paying for it you are though you are 20 20th uh, shortstop off the like that is a pretty big price for somebody who is such a dreadful hitter 214 is a pick area but you're still drafting good dudes he was also he was also like second in major league baseball and stolen bases okay john birdie was first um and we know he's gonna play actually do we I yes yes because we gonna play we this. we being we being uh, fan graphs we, as an entity fan graphs is wrong. Do not Absolutely think so. Wrong. You tell Jason Martinez that to his face, and I dare you. I, to have, call I him have no problem. I dare you to call him the H yeah. word. Call him that. You are the Eric Cosmer of projections, bro. You're so canceled. <laughs> I hope nobody listens to this because um, you're dead, man. You're smoked with these H words that you're throwing. I do not condone this, y'all. Do not cancel me. Um, but seriously, does he? Because they got Frazier, Gunner, and Ramon Urias. I know Urias that Mateo has coming, a big glove. And Urias is coming off of an injury. He may not okay. be ready for the start of the season. So um, Gunner at third, Mateo at short. Yeah, I think okay. that's how the season opens okay. up. And if for some reason like they decide that Gunner is going to play short, which I don't think is – I haven't seen written anywhere. Um, you know, he, he played third when he came up. Uh, Mateo becomes like this super utility guy who goes to the outfield. Pooper utility, um, more like this dude cannot is, hit. He is a bad hitter. Like a it, like it's there's no question about that. And this is why he is not super high up on my rankings. What do you have? Um, what was your What was your ranking? I don't know. Probably around. He's twenty fourth for me. Twenty third for you. Yeah, we're actually both below the market. Yeah, and we like, and we've promoted Jorge Mateo for years. He finally did what we wanted, and we both said, "Okay, thanks. That's enough." He legitimately may not hit his body weight, and he weighs one hundred and eighty pounds. That's what I'm saying, dude. And like now, two fourteen in fifteen team leagues is still a pretty good pick. Like you're still drafting guys that you really expect some things from. So it's not really cheap either. Just because there's a two in front of it, like doesn't mean that like, oh, he's free or any BS like that. Like Patrick Sandoval goes before him and Andrew Benintendi goes after him. And I know Benintendi's health risk and all that, but like those players are 
exponentially better than him. And your boy, uh, C.J. Abrams, is pretty close. Did you ever consider Mateo over Abrams? No, I didn't. Okay, but, so but again, he's going I, too high. I also, like, I didn't need speed. Like, I, I'm projecting, you know, my projections had me, like, pretty easily winning stolen bases at that point in even though i mean i guess i did get speed from from abrams too yeah um but like where my weakness was offensively was batting average and um he would not help that (laughs) mateo's not gonna help that uh that being said like there are a lot of intriguing things one he might be able to because of his speed you know have a little bit higher batting average than he probably should um, his zone contact was actually halfway decent uh, last year. Like it was still below league average, but not like just a little bit below league average. The problem is like the amount he swings and misses. Like he swings outside the zone forty percent time. Swing straight rate is fifteen percent. Um, he's not punchless. I mean, dude hit thirteen no. home runs. Sorry, Mateo, we're talking about. By the way, like mm-hmm. he does have some punch. He had some. Good months down the stretch. He won people some leagues. I, 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 25 I double. Um, like the park actually works, you know, fairly well for him. Not because, for homers, though. No, well, he, he's not going to hit homers in the old Camden yard. So, oh, um, actually, I kind of disagree with that, right? Because if you're saying that he's got some punch, w- would he not have had a I, much? I want to say like two or three of his home runs were in the park. I, I'm pretty sure like that's pretty so, sick. That's pretty uh, sick that uh, if two or three of his 13 were in inside the park homers for Jorge Mateo. So yeah, he went 13-35, but he hit 221, and that's the scary part. Um, with a 267 OBP. Oh my god, dude. Like he's so lucky that he can play defense because that's so horrendous. And even after the good July and August, uh, which really kind of uh, got him going, uh, he was dreadful in September again down to 196 yeah. with just a homer, but he did have seven steals. So if you were playing him, you, he was bludgeoning every other category, but you did get seven steals down the stretch. So He's the guy I don't you know. want off the waiver wire. You don't want to pay for it. Saying, draft that yeah. was literally what I put in the in the cap on uh, on the forecaster there. So yeah. be careful with Jorge Mateo. Okay, we got a few other things here, and you got to get out soon, so let's speed up. Is Alberto Mondesi finally worth buying now that he's cheap? Cheap relative to where he's been in previous years. Um, and I, I, my, my hard stop is, is uh, disappeared. So we can actually, okay. we don't, Excellent. we don't have to go super fast. Um, I think so, but you really have to be smart about where 261 ADP, it. by the way, for Alberto. Mondes. Yeah. Like that is a fantastic buying price on a guy that some people were taking at the one, two turn like a year ago. Um, or probably two years ago. Last year he was going two, more two years around. ago. And um, I, 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 I did some of that shit. Yeah, and I, I did too. Um, I have not taken him yet. Me neither. Uh, I'll probably get one. I'll probably get uh, one just because if this is the year that he freaking finds a way to like play even 120 games, right? Like the funny thing about Mondesi, and I'm sure you found this when you were doing your projection, is like even if you gave him like a 90 game projection, it was like what 38 steals. Like the his steals per game rate is obscene, and so you don't even have to go crazy if you give him like a, a three hundred fifty projection, three hundred fifty plate appearance projection. It's thirty four steals per per three hundred fifty plate appearances in his career for Mondesi. That's and crazy. I, I, I couldn't quite do that. Like I gave him three hundred forty five plate appearances, but I gave him only twenty stolen bases. Oh, you're crazy! Um, you're crazy! His rate have... is insane. I mean, I think you can you can tamp him back down. I believe it's going to stay insane. 
I do. Why wouldn't okay. it? We, we, we've talked about these Injuries. rules that he clearly doesn't care about those. He's the just going to get the, another one. The rules of the league do not apply to him. The rules of nature do not apply to uh, Alberto Mondesi. Like, but I, but like, he, he might get hurt again. I only put him for 88 games, so I don't have some big projection. I, I got him for appearances. How many games? 36. Holy shit. I, I, <laughs> like, I just like, and maybe it's just. I'm not allowing my mind to compute that as making sense. That's just his um, rate. Like, I, I didn't even go crazy. I understand. Mm-hmm. Like I, but like, there's something in my mind that goes like, you cannot steal that many bases. In that <laughs> You're not allowed. <laughs> like that is that is against the rules. Um, like it's against the rules of nature. Like he's gonna um, John Birdie it, man. Like, like he, he could be the John Birdie. Seriously, like Mondesi. Obviously, he won't be a waiver pickup uh, in most leagues. Actually, he will be probably in like tens. And, and maybe even some 12s, but he could be the John Birdie where you pick him up and you get this just insane rush of steals while he's healthy. And then he'll probably IL spots. You have again. to have IL spots with yeah, him. Like, you really do. Like, I, um, I really don't want him in an NBC league that isn't a draft champions. And even then, I want to have a good bit of what I consider safe. You never really know, of course, but I want to have a good bit of volume that I think is bankable because I also don't want to invite too much injury risk in yeah. dc's like you don't want just want to pile it up there because then you're not going to have any freaking players yeah. we've watched it happen. i mean we've seen it happen I'm, i've seen it on my own teams in dc so i speak you've got to make a choice you've got to make a choice between a guy like Mondesi and a guy like jordan walker right yep. jordan walker is a risk because we don't know when he's going to be up like he legitimately could break camp of the team but if he doesn't come up till mid-season because they want him to experience triple a and the Cardinals are just so damn good. And Carlson hit um, seven spring homers. Yeah, some like, crap. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that's happening. I'm just saying, like, there are ways that that could happen. Or how about this? Let's keep it at shortstop. You have to take Mondesi or one of these guys. You cannot take multiples here. Best rookie by Anthony Volpe with New York, uh, Oswald Peraza with New York as well, the Yankees, or es- uh, Ezekiel Tovar with Colorado. Who's your fave? I think it's Tovar. Um, because he's got kind of the because he's got the job, job right now. Yeah, yeah. like Colorado has said at this moment that it looks like he is going to be the everyday shortstop. He's a brilliant defender. Yeah, uh, and he doesn't cost money, so like they're they're literally playing him in candy bars uh, right now. <laughs> so, um, I think it's Tovar. I, I like uh, Volpe a lot. Um, I actually like Cabrera a lot. I like Cabrera a little bit more just because he's up. Peraza. Um, I like Oswaldo Cabrera too, but I said Peraza. Yeah. Oh, you said Peraza. Um, I like Peraza too. Um, yeah, they so, got some interesting guys in there. I now, would probably take Monty over all those guys except for Tovar. Okay. What and do you think that, Tovar can do? What, what kind and of that, and that is, I gave him 13 home runs and 11 stolen bases, okay. 264 batting average. I gave him 11 and 11, and I did 251 on the average. Maybe I should give him a little Colorado boost. Oh, you you got to give him this Colorado. Boost. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna I'm gonna bump him up a little bit there. And then Volpe, we just don't know when he's gonna come up. Uh, they did get Peraza up eventually last year, who I have drafted a couple times already, actually. And you did mention Oswaldo Cabrera, who's not available, who's not a shortstop, but I like him too. He's really interesting. I think he you has, took him in the draft, right? Yeah, I think he has third base and outfield, maybe. maybe I think just outfield. Maybe just outfield. But yeah. I like I like him too. So yeah, there's some interesting guys. But again, in DCs, don't be stocking up all these guys. You you, you will regret it. I promise. Yeah. If you come out and you're like, "Yo, I got Mondesi, Jordan Walker, and Ezekiel Tovar," I'm like, "Cool, you're going to not finish in first. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just by the way, 
Where's Brian Anderson going to go? I don't know. Milwaukee. Nailed it. And I thought that, that was you who said that, by the way, not me. Mm -hmm. And I thought that Mike Brasso was the same guy. So I was like, I don't know. That I loved it when you first said it. Then I looked. I was like, but isn't Brasso the same dude? Turns out you were correct. I was wrong. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Even though they are literally the same dude. Uh, they wanted to get an injured version of Brasso. But does Brian Anderson to Milwaukee cut the Bryce Terang hype? No. Okay. It, yeah. I, you I mean, don't think I, Brian Anderson's going to be the starter? No. I kind of think he is if he's healthy. I mean. And then Urias goes uh, to second and then Terang doesn't play. Yeah, no, I think that uh, Brian Anderson is the short side platoon in the outfield for somebody. He's also the announcer for the team. Yes, he, he is also the announcer. That's well, really didn't good. he? Didn't he leave there? That I think he's. Oh, not. did he? Oh, yeah. So he actually technically moved him out of the booth into into the, the field. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> Usually, you go the other way. You go from yeah. the field to the booth. Brian Anderson said, "No, no, no, get he's, me on the he's field." He's not a typical guy. Yeah. Um, I, I I posted my third base projections. Um, today of uh, this morning um and the last comment i made was that i literally called and i and i did like tag our our, our podcast that brian anderson would go to milwaukee and i still don't care like it just rude like i just don't care like, i it, like i i do like him a bit i, um, I, I really do um it, it's it's a deep league play without a doubt like and and health has been a problem i kind of was interested in maybe him getting on the tigers because if he can find some help, I think he's like, I think he's kind of like that Garrett Cooper type where he's like, he's just a solid hitter, but it's not a whole lot of fantasy juice. So I, I freely acknowledge that NL only, but the ballpark is nice. I will say that. So mm -hmm. um, that certainly helps after playing all your career in Miami. So, you know, I, I get it. I'm not asking you to be like putting out some think, great yeah, projection I, on Brian Anderson. I think he's just a short side platoon kind of guy that maybe, you know, plays a little bit more than your average short term uh, or, uh, Short side platoon guy. I don't think this hurts Terang at all. I think maybe it means he's not up day one, but I wasn't necessarily projecting him to be up day one. Anyways, let's talk about um, Terang, by the way. 13 homers, yeah. 34 steals, 286 in AAA last year with strong plate skills, 20% K, 11% walk in 131 games. What do you think the 23-year-old Bryce Terang can do this year then? Who that is... That's a really tough question to answer. Um, I mean, I don't think he, I don't think he has necessarily a carrying tool, and I think people are going to look at what he did last year in AAA with those thirty-four stolen bases and go crazy. I think he's probably, um, like maybe like a fifteen, not even a fifteen, probably probably like a ten, fifteen guy. Okay. Um, with a decent batting average because I think the hit tool is okay. So maybe like 250, 260. Uh, I should probably just look at my projections and you say could. You I, do you do have a number that you you actually put down on paper or virtual um, I'm I'm having a hard time I found him. You put him yeah. for eight and thirteen in a hundred games, four hundred plate appearances with a two forty four average for training. Well, yeah, I was about right. Um yeah it's it's hard to project where he's gonna be uh kind of in terms of like does he break camp with a team it feels like the brewers have a lot of these kind of guys right now like and yeah. it's that you know like they they traded for owen miller they still have mike bros uh Brosser. uh they just added brian anderson like literally plays they, everywhere you're yeah he just plays everywhere like it 
Like, I feel like they've done everything they can to try to prevent Turing from reaching the majors to start the season. It's, it's to protect, you know, that teams yeah. want to protect their their prospects from having to be fully reliant on them. I get it, but it certainly clouds things for fantasy. And then we don't know exactly how to proceed. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you get late March news that he is going to break camp. And you're like, dang, I wish I'd have taken Bryce Turing, you know, five rounds earlier if you're a fan of his or whatever. So I, I get it. I, I would maybe tap the brakes a little bit if you were super keen on him just because of the players that they've added. But uh, there's some interesting intrigue. And he's only a, a 398 draft pick uh, ADP right now for Bryce Terang. Like you're not and paying a premium there. But again, don't stock up a ton of prospects, but he could be your guy, I guess. I think part of the problem too is like he has options and a mm-hmm. lot of other guys don't. Like I didn't even mention like John Singleton is out of options in the minor leagues. They He's added Josh. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's having like a resurgence. Okay. Good for yeah. John Singleton. He got um, his money, man. Yeah. He, he's the he's the uh the the guy that like like you use as um the example of why guys take money, right? Scott, him Scott and, Kingery as well. Him, him and Evan White, yeah. Um, and Evan White, there's there's three right there that um, didn't quite pan out, but hey, you take that money. And and none of those still hurt the team, right? Jo- they also signed Josh Van Meter. Um like Jeez, the, they really did sign every they, player they, to make sure they don't have to play Bryce Terang. So, like, I think there is some real concern that Terang isn't on this team come opening day. Oh, they traded for Toro in the uh, yeah, the, deal. Jesus, like, they have like so many bodies. Like, this is like an episode of The Walking Dead, <laughs> but for multi positional infielders. Like, you know, oh, that's um, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah. So be careful with Bryce Terang, and we'll get more clarity in spring, of course. Uh, and finally, at shortstop, where does Elvis Andrus land? Um, Boston. I, Gross. I, like I, I, he's gonna land somewhere and get 500 plate appearances. Um, what about and, what about a return to Atlanta, where he was a prospect? I think he could, but I think that Atlanta's probably just going to ride with Arcia and Vaughn. Yeah, I, I briefly um, mentioned that when we were talking Grissom. Yeah. Um. Um. Well, let, let's see. I called the Brian Anderson one. So yeah, I'm, yeah. So make sure you get your. your I want to make sure I on here. get my actual like. Your Boston really, call is pretty good. You might just stick with your initial thought there and just don't overthink it because that's my that's a, original initial thought was the Angels. Um, but I wonder if they've made made too many kind of infield moves, and what they they're. I think they kind of have with what they've got. I, I'm going to go with Boston. Boston, I think, makes the most sense. Um, shout I'll give out you partial credit if it if it is the Angels though, because I could I could yeah. see it if they don't shout want out. Them. Shout out to the Marlins who traded away Miguel Rojas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be. I, the most Marlins thing ever. Yeah. Trade Miguel Rojas, a player who was beloved there, unless he fell out of favor, but I thought he was like pretty well beloved to get Elvis Andrews. That would be the dumbest thing ever. And so of course they would do that shit. Another, another interesting spot. And I hadn't thought about this before. I just kind of popped in my head. The white Sox Are they really starting Rami Gonzalez at second base? Like it, sure. it's what I like. I actually talked about Jake Berger potentially playing second base, where he played like five games last year. I did because, a projection for Ozzy Guillen just in case. Yeah, because like I cannot believe a team that 
legitimately has World Series aspirations is entering with this second base situation. Like I just he could return there then. Like that's actually yeah. that's actually a pretty good call. So so um Red Sox, White Sox, White Sox, Marlins, Angels, Marlins. Marlins. Yeah, those okay. are the four teams. I and I, I, I put put my little Braves in there as well. Uh, I yeah. think that, that that is a possibility. But Andrews, okay, so he lands somewhere. He's tabbed for we're thinking at least four fifty plate appearances in a hypothetical mm-hmm. here. What do you think he's going to do? Is he a double double again? Ten plus homers and steals. Um, I think the homers largely uh, depend on where he ends up like so no Miami please yeah there's a big difference between Miami and Chicago yeah in that kind Every of regard would be favorable that, um, other than Miami so that we just have to hope against Miami but I think you can pretty much book him for double digit stolen bases and you know maybe is many is like what we saw last year is 18 so mm-hmm. um I would probably project him for like 10 15. Um, okay. And maybe not even 10, honestly. Uh, I'm probably projecting for like 7 and 15. Just because you're worried about the playing time right now, right? Oh, you mean 7 yeah. homers? 7, seven homers, homers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's Elvis Andrus. We don't know where he lands. Obviously, we'll get I think more wherever he lands, I think wherever he lands, he's playing. Like, I don't think I think he, so, too. Unless he's trying to, like, unless he takes, like, a, a reduced role on a really, really good team. Mm-hmm. Um which I mean, I guess he could do. Maybe he decides, hey, I've, I've made I, enough money in my life. No, in I don't think it's about money. I think he wants to play every day. Yeah, and I, that's I, what I—that's I, what I think too. Like, but maybe he says, like, maybe he kind of does what Brand Belt is doing and says, like, hey, I, I want a chance to win a World Series. This is where I think I've got the best opportunity. Um, and so. you know. It only takes one injury to then all of a sudden be the man. Too. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, Ellis Andrews is a guy who's been the man for over a decade. So if he did go to a team like that, that had more of a set shortstop and second base combo, if either went down, he would know, okay, I'm the dude uh, after that. So let me be on this good team. I'll play sparingly for now. But then if anything happens, I'm in. So we could see that. So we'll keep tabs on uh, Andrews and then we'll revisit when he signs somewhere. We are going to finish with one piece of news. Ooh. Aroldis Chapman to KC. Oh yeah, are you are you scared about Scott Barlow right now? A little bit. I'm not. Uh, Chapman has been so bad with the control that unless he somehow figures that out, like I'm not talking like he's always been a wild guy, right? He he's rolls Chapman. He throws it 900 miles an hour. He hardly ever knows where it's going. This is egregious, though. We are talking 6.4 walks per nine over the last two seasons. Let me get the uh, percentage there. He is at 16% walk rate. That's that's absurd, Justin. And so I would man, it would be so stupid if they bring him in and just hand him the closer's role over Barlow. Well, there's a scenario you're not accounting for. They're the Royals. Well, yes, but oh. th- there's an actual scenario. It's not just like I thought it was the hey, Royals. you're dumb. Uh you're the Royals. What, what um, is what is the scenario? That they trade Scott Barlow at the height of his value, like in might not be a bad idea. And then they try to recoup, you know, some value on Chapman, Chapman and yep. with him. So uh I went from feeling like Scott Barlow was one of the safe closers mm-hmm. to and mm-hmm. I mean he might be the closer on whatever team he would be flipped to. True. Um so we don't want to we don't yeah and the Dodgers could potentially be that guy. 
that um, would be hot. Which would, I believe, ruin what the draft pick I hope I have made at this point. Because They drafted him in 2011. Um, oh, they did. Let's see. They did drafted I, Scott Barlow. I literally just drafted uh, Brendan Donovan during the podcast. I, I was on auto draft, or not Brendan Donovan, um, uh, Daniel Hudson. So, oh, nice. He were clearly, Scott Barlow will be clearly traded to the Dodgers in about an hour. Um, <laughs> so, that would be funny. But yeah, I mean, he went from feeling like a really, really safe guy to now not feeling so safe. I'm still taking Barlow ahead of Chapman. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I'm also now throwing darts at Chapman. Both, I was really hoping I would be on the clock in both drafts that I'm in right so you now. Pop him, and I was uh, the clock for neither, and so far enough away where someone else went. Well, yeah. I might as well take the shot on Chapman now. So that's the beauty um, of these slow drafts. Like, if you're at the certain point when the guy who signs is viable to take, they're gone right away once they sign. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's a really interesting move. I think it's a great park to pitch in. Um, you know, I I always want to bet on talent. I still think that talent is in Chapman, uh, but like this doesn't vault him. Like he, I really thought he was going to sign someplace where he was clearly going to be the closer. That is not the case. He just kind of muddied up uh, a situation that we didn't think was going to be muddy. Correct. Um, We'll see. I mean, very, if he looks really, to do that. if he if he looks really good in spring training, there are going to be questions, and maybe Barlow gets traded. So uh, we will we will see here uh, as pitchers and catchers report so in close. a few weeks. So close. Cross your fingers for Barlow to the Dodgers if you've already taken him though, because that could be that would just be hot. But if it's anywhere else, or not anywhere, else, I'm not crossing my fingers. Like I said, I just because you just got Hudson exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, that's shortstop and and one piece of news. Great discussion here. Um, we're heading to the outfield, which we've already hinted at throughout uh, the offseason. Has some challenges. Perhaps our projection run has uh, changed our opinion on that, but we'll talk about that another time. Until then, I, Justin. I'm just going to say before we wrap up, I've gotten some questions, uh, and I think you've gotten some questions as well uh, from people on the Patreon. My full projections and my full ranks will be completely done this weekend. I'm going to outfield and catcher the last two things I haven't done. Um, Mine will be early next week because I will be in California this weekend. Yeah. I'm almost done with outfield. So all my hitters will be done. And by this weekend, I mean my weekend, which includes a Monday. So Boom. Um, my, my everything will be done on the site Monday. By the time you wake up on Tuesday, because I'll probably be up till 3 o'clock in the morning tonight. <laughs> doing them um the, yeah the full projections will be available on the patreon the ranks will be available they will be continuously updated they're both living documents so yeah um for those of you who have been asking i appreciate your patience uh i would have had them done a couple weeks ago but covid killed me um oh, gotcha. so don't give me yeah. covid you're you're, I, you're, out, you're out of your window though right? yeah i'm out, I'm out yeah. of the window so i i, uh, I, I thought about that i was like oh Look, yeah no, looking forward to uh taking you a great pancake breakfast and um uh, i'm very excited and I'll see uh, you in a couple minutes. yeah again see ya can't wait bye